You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. What you got there, Mickey? It's an unbreakable piece of bread, Bob. Well, nothing comes in handier because than one of those. It's, it's unbreakable. I see you're demonstrating that convincingly by hitting it with a hammer. This is for the benefit of our audio uh, at, audience. At the at the summit with Putin, no bread was broken. That was a big, a big t- selling point of the summit that they didn't break bread. You know the hallmark so of a good continuing that tradition. The hallmark of a good visual aid is is that without it, you could not have comprehended the data that the person <laughs> presents orally. And, and I just. If you hadn't prepared me for that, Mickey, I'd be like, break, br- say it again. I don't get it. But now that we've, now that we've made that conceptual breakthrough, why don't you continue? Well, I don't know. Uh, I actually don't have that much to say about the summit. There was a, uh, Byron York said it was a summit about nothing. I don't see why you can't have a summit about nothing, you know. Uh, t- to my mind, the two big, Achievements were one Biden showed he could talk. He was saying he's all there. All this idea that the somebody else is running the administration seems bogus. He did get confused with Libya and Syria embarrassingly. So he's an old man, but he's you know, he's he, he we have a president. He's a person he thinks for better or worse. The uh, the other okay. thing is it drove Donald Trump crazy because this is the sort of thing that he loves and he ain't doing it anymore. So. And then Walter Russell Mead had a take. What did, what, sure did, what did Donald Trump say in response? I'm not on his channel anymore. I don't think he said that much in response, but you know, that's he's, one that's one sign that he's going crazy. No, it, it's a sign either way. But he 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 tweeted something about uh, windmills uh, killing birds. So that, that's the telltale sign. So I'm glad to hear you say that uh, Biden did not seem demented because I didn't. Watch the whole press conference. I should sit down and watch like his whole post Putin press conference or something to, to evaluate him. But so as a result, I'm kind of hostage to the people who s- stick stuff in my social media feed. And that includes no small number who would like to make him seem cognitively impaired. And I've got to say that the Syria Libya thing just viewed in isolation was kind of alarming. I mean, he's a foreign policy guy. There was a time when he, he would have been in, have been in no danger of getting those mixed up. And the whole, the whole thing, he just seemed kind of slow, having trouble formulating the thing. And, and he it's did just, it repeatedly, the Libya, Syria thing. I still it's, don't. It's the sort of mistake I make all the time. So, you know, I, I admit I, I'm in cognitive decline, but, uh, but I cut him, I cut him some slack. It's just like confusing Iran and Iraq. I do that all the time. Okay. Then I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that. If you say uh, so, blah, uh, it was embarrassing. It was it was even humiliating. But I still may watch I the whole press conference before next week and, and report my own I, assessment. I maintain my position that Biden's senility improved him as opposed to hurt him. He used to be a loudmouth braggart who 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 thought he was a lot smarter than he was. Now he's a humble old man. Who knows his limits? Well, he did get testy with that reporter and then apologized. But then he apologized. For it. That's a perfectly and he didn't well, get no, that but he testy. Got, he got testy. Is you're you know you're saying he's like uh, he didn't get that testy. You know he didn't say he didn't call her names. He didn't you know it was it was a, it was a little Trump esque. No, Trump would have said uh, he would have he would that, have referred sort of to her fake ethnicity. News I, I know, expect but from you, right? Something like that. So it was the same. The, it was the same reporter, by the way. So we have a. Very clear comparison. 
Oh, was it? It was Caitlin Collins. You know where she got her start, Bob? You tell me. Tucker Carlson's Daily Caller. Like so many fine journalists, including, by the way, somebody, I think either in the uh, Parrot Room comment section or on Twitter suggested that you should sell that email you have from Tucker as an NFT. Seriously, you might be able to get thousands of dollars for it. This is Tucker Carlson before he went to Fox saying, if you work for the Daily Caller, you're not allowed to criticize Fox. No, he was at Fox. Okay, but he wasn't. He had, a show, he, he had a show on Fox. He didn't have a primetime show on Fox. Okay, but still, and Fox, Fox were his, and his his defense was, uh, "I work for Fox. You can't criticize them." And I, my offense was, "You can't criticize them, but I can right. criticize." You them. should have asked for a piece of the action. Like, can I have three <laughs> percent of your salary or something if I'm playing by the same rules? Anyway, um, we 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 think he we think he thinks I was disloyal. Uh. Because I went on Brian Stelter and criticized his position. Wait, but hey, well, I, that was a separate issue, though. When did you go on Brian's? No, that was the same issue. But I thought you wrote something for the caller that was uh, anti, that was critical of Fox in that yes, occasion. And email. then, and then he, then he took it down in the dead of night, and then I quit. Oh, and then, and then, and then there was a controversy, a minor controversy about it, and Brian Stelter was always ready to welcome people denouncing Tucker Carlson, so I guess I fell into that trap. Why is it that some people use their controversies as trampolines to spring to greatness and you wind up on my show after a controversy? I did. I sprang to this, Bob. Oh. Okay, this is greatness. I'll accept that. So Every time time I – you know, when I'm I'm doing it, I sort of ignore what you said, what you say, Uh you may notice. And and when I rewatch it, you're actually pretty funny. You're always – Funnier on the rewind. It's, it's subtle. It's subtle. It's, it's, it's easy to miss subtle. the first one, two, three go rounds. Um, so, wait. Uh, as far as substance in the summit, I mean, Biden. I think the Biden people are proud that they got the Europeans to get a little critical of China. Maybe not as critical as they would like, but there was some reference in the statement of that. And you know, with 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 uh, Putin, I mean, Biden is making himself a little bit of a hostage of fortune. He basically said, if anything happens to Navalny, you're toast. You know, I mean, there's going to have to be some strong American response if Navalny dies in jail. Um, And as we know here in America from the Epstein episode, people do die in jail. Putin Putin sort of uh, uh, teased Navalny's impending death, didn't he? He sort of said, well, you know, he might die in jail. I don't know. I I missed Uh, that. (laughs) Um, By the way, People should check out a conversation in the Right Show feed with uh, Nikita Petrov, who uh, was in Russia at the time and still is and works with us. You know Nikita well, Nikita. Yes, and it was endorsed by Father Daly. It was. It got a, it got the coveted Father Daly endorsement, Father Daly yeah. of uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, so that was good to see. The um, Walter Meade's column you should read because he comes out as the sort of uh, a bit of a – hawk in a way that you will find unpleasant. He 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 often does. He basically, he made the point that, you know, talk is cheap. He he actually thought they got a very strong statement on China, but talk is cheap. The the key is actually making the other person do what you want or stop what they're doing. And that he claims the West has, doesn't know how to win anymore. We haven't actually done the latter 
uh, I guess since Bosnia, since uh, what kind of victory does he want? I mean, what you know, he just since, since we got rid of Milosevic, we haven't. Well, the the, the he just whole wants idea to chalk up a win so that I mean, what he wants to go bomb somebody. He wants China to stop. Uh, well, he has a list of them. You'll see. He, uh-huh. he, it's a horrifying list. He wants. He wants. Uh, he he makes a big deal of uh, Russia getting out of Crimea, the Donbass, and Syria. Dude, he wants uh, not going to happen. He, he no, wants, they're not leaving Crimea, man. He wants uh, China to sort of pull back from the South China Sea. I assume he wants them to loosen up on Hong Kong and the Uyghurs. But the idea that the, the most ridiculous is that Russia would get out of Crimea. They're never getting out of Crimea. That's insane. Uh, that's like us getting out of Texas. Yeah, and I want to say, I I don't think I'm putting words in Nikita's mouth, by the way. Uh, People can go back and watch my conversation with him when, when, when I say he, he suggested that, you know, he's seeing the sanctions in action. Like there's, you know, when he goes to buy cheese or something, there's less kinds of cheese than there used to be. And I believe he did basically say that, yeah, probably the pressure we put on via sanctions and so on, reinforces the narrative Putin wants to convey to Russia, which is that the U.S. and Europe are anti-Russia, not just anti-Putin. But uh, people really should watch the conversation. It's interesting. But he qualified it with probably? I'm qualifying it because I don't – I haven't gone back and listened to exactly what he said and and I don't want to misrepresent him. And he was a little – he didn't jump. He he, he was kind of – he kind of, I think, as I recall, kind of reflected a little and then uh, answered in the affirmative. But people should watch. Um, but can you're I his com- boss, and he's telling you what you want to hear. Well, that could be it. I did. It's true that there was or his a th- client. His there client, was a sorry. there was a threat made before we started. Uh, the, um, well, I think Mead has a point, which is that it's very common. It was we was sort of Clinton's failing before uh, before he started bombing in in uh, Yugoslavia was you know you think you've acted just because you've talked. So you give some strong statement, you think that does the trick. But if the other party doesn't change their behavior, it's just talk. Uh, and and uh, so there's the danger that you could fall into that. But Jesus, the the administration's only starting, and you talk first. So 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 he accomplished the talk. And also, I don't care if Russia's in Syria. I'm sorry. Uh, I agree. At first, I thought you were now getting Syria mixed up with Crimea, but I see your point. Russia is or Libya, no, I, or I, Libya. I, they have I, they I, have kind of a proxy presence in Libya. Actually, actually. they do. But I, I I sort of do care about Libya more because uh, the you know what happens in Libya is up in the air in a way that what happens in Syria is not up in the air. Well, Assad there's people there. trying to keep it up in the air. I mean, there's various parts of it occupied by various parties, including us. Um, but I mean, Libya is a failed country and people are being killed and enslaved and there should be some resolution. Well, at last I checked, they were closer to resolution than they had been uh, six months ago. But I haven't I haven't checked in the last few weeks. The um, can I complain about Michael McFall as long as we're on the subject of like Russia and China? I, sure. Didn't you, I? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, didn't go I ahead. point out last time that he got beaten up and you questioned that? Or somebody did. Somebody did. I still somewhat what someone tweeted to me was that his friends were beaten up or something in Russia. Whatever. Uh, if anyway. he did, I'm, if he was beaten up, I'm sorry. But uh, back to my uh, trashing him. Yeah. Um. 
the uh, so he was ambassador to Russia for Obama for reasons that are totally unclear to me, given how extremely hawkish he seems. Although I suppose if you're going to make Hillary Clinton secretary of state, you might as well go whole hog. Anyway, he did this. First of all, a few weeks ago, he did this tweet. He, he keep my complaint is he's he's he seems intent on turning all kinds of discourse that have no ostensible connection with China into a litmus test on whether you're sufficiently anti-China. And I wrote a piece about the first example in my newsletter, non-zero newsletter, a couple of weeks ago, but now there's been another example. So so uh, the example I wrote about was it was when the uh, when when the Senate uh, you know thwarted efforts to create a bipartisan commission to investigate the January 6th. Capitol riot. And he uh, responded by tweeting, quote, to all the self-proclaimed China hawks in the U.S. Senate who voted against the creation of this commission, you just handed the PRC, the People's Republic of China, a fantastic win. And I mean, it, it honestly took me a while to figure out. I mean, do you, is it clear to you what he's talking about? Well, you say that China, like Putin, will say that, uh, you know, you 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 have. You know, you have trouble right. on your home front. You can't even control your crazy right wingers. But do you think like Republicans are obligated to subordinate their view on on whether there should be a hearing <laughs> to how it's going to play in China? I mean, that does give them power. That does give China real power. No, they should subordinate, <laughs> subordinate it to what it's going to do for immigration at the border. So anyway, in that case, it. in that case, this uh, kind of cantankerous Chinese journalist misunderstood the tweet. As McFall saying um, that China had orchestrated this vote behind the scenes and was manipulating Congress, and it was clear that he misunderstood it. And McFall just goes – rather than McFall reflect on the fact that the guy misunderstood it and explain what he was saying, he just totally trashes the guy, threatens to remove him from his Twitter feed, you know, to block him. <laughs> and I mean, what the fuck kind of diplomat is that? What is that guy doing? Well, as an ambassador to anything, if he can't pause and understand what's going on in somebody else's head. Twitter does that to you. Speaking Twitter, of which. That's a very good point that Twitter Twitter is the enemy of empathy. Speaking of which, uh, the guy also, who – Also coffee. Coffee is also the enemy of empathy. Coffee, it depends. When you have coffee with someone, you may okay. – I mean, if we're talking cognitive empathy, just understanding what's going on in their heads okay. – um, okay. well, uh, it can I, help. I interrupted so, you. You're about to make a point. Well, two things. First of all, tangent, the guy, uh, a psychologist died last week or this week who came up recently, who, who is obit was in the times a couple of days ago, who came up with the, the fundamental attribution error, which we can maybe talk about if we have time to talk about it in the parrot room or something, but it is an impediment to cognitive empathy. And interestingly, there's a quote in the Times obit. It doesn't connect the two things, but the quote, uh, it quotes Richard Nisbet, an eminent psychologist who, who co-authored relevant stuff with this guy whose name is Lee Ross, um, as saying that Ross was good at counseling Nisbet on his personal issues, like problems he was having with people and so on. And he, and when he asked Ross why he was so good at it, he said, I just, work at understanding what's going on in the other person's head. And <clears throat> attribution error, which at least on certain occasions, I won't elaborate, but consists of attributing people's bad behavior to the, their their character rather than circumstances. 
can be a great impediment to cognitive empathy. All that's a, all that's a tangent. One more okay. piece of McFall trashing now. Yeah. I just want to say he's keeping it up. Now he, he tweeted, there was a different vote on January 6th, uh, uh, recently, um, I think this week where 21 Republicans in the House opposed the bill to award congressional gold medals for the Capitol police officers. And McFall tweets, I hope these 21 Republicans understand how their actions are a gift to autocrats around the world. You can't claim to be quote, tough on China and then do this. I mean, this, I'm not, this is not McCarthyism, but it is like a movement toward that whole landscape where everything people do can be grounds for cu- right. accusing them of aiding and abetting the enemy. This is nuts. Right. This is how crazy. You, right. How, yeah. How can you be tough on China if you eat that sandwich? Right. Right. Um, uh, but it's a good, it's a good meme. You could do a Saturday night live routine. Uh, uh like, uh, more so know everything relates to China. Like yeah. That? yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he does. And look, he was ambassador to Russia. That's my last word on this. Is he trying to get attention on Twitter? Is he getting traction for these tweets? Oh, well, he look, he used the Trump era and Russiagate to build up a huge following and endear himself to the resistance, even though if right. you look at his foreign policy, you would guess he's a Republican. Well, that's a and as point. a result, and as a result. He is now this MSNBC go-to guy on Russia. I mean, I don't know if the people who run MSNBC just don't know enough about foreign policy to know what a progressive foreign policy would be. They supposedly, after all, progressives are their constituency or the higher-ups actually want, you know, more or less, you know, a a hawkish and in some cases maybe neoconish foreign policy to dominate. I don't think they think that deeply, Bob. Well, I don't know. It's I think bizarre. They think this this guy's become a celebrity. He's good on TV. He gets high ratings. We look at the ratings every minute he's on. They stay high. So we'll have him back. Yeah, but it's also true. I mean, this is maybe consistent with your, your theory that during the Trump years, because of Russiagate, MSNBC just kind of gravitated toward this anti-Russia position with the rest of the resistance. I mean, I mean, you know, like a more right. hawkish position than you'd expect liberals and progressives to otherwise occupy. It's now it's now getting confused because the Repu- half of the Republicans, Kevin McCarthy yesterday, is re-gravitating back toward a hawkish position, saying Biden wasn't nearly tough enough with Russia. They, they finished their Nord Stream 2 pipeline. We didn't stop it. He's a weakling. And the other half is like, you know, why are you being so tough on Trump about Russia? So uh, the the Democrats may have to react to the Republicans being tough on Russia by becoming untough on Russia. Anyway, that's not how great- they tra- that's not how the Democrats traditionally react to that kind of accusation. Unfortunately, they, keep, uh, really, they try they, to they, outhawk you. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Democrats have always been insecure about yeah. their manhood. Yeah. What um maybe um uh maybe a good article would be, hey resistance, Michael Mafal isn't one of you. Well, I, I trashed him once in my newsletter. You would think that, you know, given the stature of my newsletter, that would have finished him off once and for all. But yeah, sadly, no, I know it may take a second. It, it only went out. It was it, it was paywalled. It didn't go. It didn't oh, go out go. to the. That must be why. Yeah. yeah, to all subscribers. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but if you give it exactly this line, like, I am. Tr- hey, lefty, listen, lefty. Michael Mafal is a neocon hawk. Yeah. I mean, but I also, listen, but they listen to Lynn Cheney now. I mean, that's the whole 
problem. I mean, Bill Crystal's about to be a leader in the Democratic Party. I mean, <laughs> you know, this has been uh, going on for years. They've been, they've been paving the way for this takeover. Um, but, you know, I don't like to become one of these Twitter obsessives who seems to be like, you know, you know, spend his whole life yeah. plotting the demise of a single person. No, I don't. You know me. Buddhist, um, Buddhist Bob. I, 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 I seem to be plotting the demise of a single person, but I forget who it was. You're demi- it, you're plotting the demise of a uh, child tax credit. Good it was luck Jeffrey Tubin. It was Jeffrey Tubin, but, uh. Yeah, how'd that go? It went pretty well for a while. He's still get, he's still getting so much shit for that. I mean, every time you see his name, the word masturbation will be within three words. So I'm not completely sure that he is rehabilitated. Well, but he's on the scene in payroll. He's going to be show. Has he been showing up much since the? I don't know, but every time he goes in public, people are going to be, you know, instead of whispering peas and carrots, they're going to be whispering masturbation zoom. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think, you know, it's, it's, he's going to hear the whispers and it's going to drive him crazy. He 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 seems to be made of stronger stuff. I mean, you know. Uh, but I, may, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have made it through that ridiculous conversation, but, but his rehabilitation also, conversation. If CNN I CNN might CNN might be embarrassed. Even CNN, that's hard to believe. But even CNN. Might well, be what I don't get is like, why is he back? Do they think he's that big a ratings getter or something? And why and is he a ratings getter? People, they tried out people and they weren't as good. And he is a smart guy, and he often has things to say. And and you know, they have him on too often, so half the time he doesn't have things to say, and he's just making up shit on the fly. But I would, if he, you know, if he, if he wasn't uh, uh, deficient in character, I would have him on too. Where I was wrong was I thought because of the circumstances of his demise, including the whole history part that we talked about last time, that CNN would pretty much have to replace him with a woman. Didn't that seem like good logic at the time? I don't think I bought it, but they lied. Uh, but th- they tried, and the women weren't that great. Hmm. Hard to believe. There are a lot of great women lawyers out there who are very telegenic. You'd think. Well, I can it, think it, of, of a couple of our ge- it, generation. I'm not tu- keeping track of the young ones. Tubin's. Well, Dahlia. Tub- right, Tubin's, exactly. Tubin's, uh virtue is he can t- he toes the party line. But he seems to be thoughtful and coming up with something intellectual, as opposed to people who just tow the party line and seem to be just towing the party line. So he 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 has that uh, facility that John Alter has, which is party line plus gravitas equals good on TV. I think you should work on masturbation memes. I mean, if you if you are still <laughs> devoted to his Oof. downfall, seriously, I mean, it's like, there. it's like visual stuff. It can't be too graphic or it'll, you know, they won't let it on Twitter. It can't be an actual, you know, thing. What but about, what about my flonase? Mickey, get that off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you were ready for this. It's, it's one of my many phallic props. I have a lot of phallic props, but, um, that looks it's, like it's, an alien phallic prop. It's, it's like, very that's bad like allergies. a, a, a not so little green man's. It's flonase, Bob. It's, it's, um, it's, it helps during allergy season, which we have in, it's a very bad allergy season. That's why I'm stupid today because allergies. The allergies? Stupid. I was going to ask. Anyway, you were saying, I, I don't want to spend my time paying attention to Tubin, Bob, because you know what holiday it is? 
this weekend? Juneteenth? On the 21st, Bob. Juneteenth is the 19th, and it's being celebrated today. Well, the 21st? I don't know. Bob, it's National Biden-Harris Child Tax Credit Awareness Day. <laughs> I'm sure you've canceled all your appointments for that. Gene Sperling has been put a, put in charge of, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, celebration, celebra- commemoration. Pushing, pushing the child tax credit, which involves both getting people to sign up for the temporary one that was enacted as part of the rescue plan, because they want to get the cash out to as many people and get them hooked on it, mm-hmm. and also to make it permanent. Uh, uh, and there, uh, as you know, there are. I think this is this is the uh, you know this and and immigration, which of course I won't talk about, is uh, at the center of you know what we're all talking about now. We don't. We, the, 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 it, it's not about infrastructure. We've had infrastructure before. We'll have infrastructure again. They'll pass some infrastructure. They'll build some roads. But uh, and Matty Glacius agrees with this. The key to whether Biden has a legacy is does he pass this child tax credit because it is a qualitative expansion of the welfare state. Our welfare state, perhaps for historical reasons, but also because of the way the public felt, has been work tested. The exceptions were welfare and food stamps. And they changed welfare to make it work tested. So now food stamps is the only exception. Mm-hmm. And this would add a big new addition of just like the old welfare system, sending cash to parents, whether they worked or not. And uh, so Iglesias agrees with me. That's the ball game. But he He's thinks it's a good side. thing and you think it's a He's bad on thing. the other side. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Sperling is going to have this big event. And the question is, one question is, where are the Republicans? Why aren't. Why aren't Marco Rubio and Senator Mike Lee, who are allegedly the opponents of it, because they have a tax credit bill that doesn't go to non-workers, why aren't they screaming it from the rooftops? This is a horrible thing, if they think it's a horrible thing. Uh, I think Rubio has been compromised by the reformicons. You know, he's he spent the last eight years in Washington going to little dinners with Ross Douthat and Yuval Levine uh, and... Uh, or however you pronounce his name, and Raihan, and uh, and he doesn't want to betray those people. Uh, uh, some of some of whom I don't is know Ra- about Raihan. Is Raihan a play- is Raihan a player now? He runs the Manhattan Institute. Of course, he's a player. He runs it. Yeah, he's he runs the Manhattan Institute. Whoa! Congrats, Raihan. I actually I had a very funny conversation with somebody who works for the Manhattan Institute. I said, "Is it Raihan or Rayhan?" I think it's Rayhan, actually. And, and he went, nobody knows. <laughs> but it's it's Rayhan. I heard it from his mouth. Uh, okay. From well, the man yeah. himself. He, he did a Zoom. Anyway, so, um, so uh, 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 I'm pretty sure about that. I, could be I have given you an answer to your question in and, the past, but you've rejected it. Anyway, what's your answer to why, why are the Republicans silent? Yeah, because this time around, there's all these like white people who benefit from the tax credit. And, well, and that's why you can't get the kind of political momentum behind your position that you would like. That would be the, that would be the standard left wing argument. I'm not sure it's true. We've always, uh, you know, there's always been tremendous support for the earned income tax credit because it was earned. There, there's always a work component to what, what's popular. And I think that work component applies even when uh, white people get the benefit. If the earned income tax credit, which undoubtedly goes mostly to white people, 
uh, were not earned, it wouldn't. If somebody proposed, let's make the earned income tax credit, let's take it to zero. You don't have to have any earnings at all. That would not be popular. It wouldn't have been popular for the past. But this 20 is years. not an earned. But this is not an earned tax credit. This is just tax. No, credit. this is. The, it, it is now. Now you have to have a certain amount of income to qualify. But this would change for it. that. This would change that and eliminate the income requirement, and you, you could do nothing. You could lie around like the Lazzaroni of Naples, doing nothing, and it would still send you money. The, uh, uh, so, um, you want to hear support for your view, Mickey? I talked to someone whom I won't name who has been – and, you know, this is a, a graduate of, of, of an Ivy League college, millennial, and he has been a detractor of yours on a number of issues, I would say, and he's uh, been collecting unemployment, including both standard unemployment insurance and, you know, the special stimulus stuff for months – and he's not really making a, an obsession exactly of looking for a job. And he said, you know, it turns out Mickey's right. <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you well, get, if you get money without working, you my don't life, work. My life is a, is, 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 is testimony that I'm right. I mean, you know, I inherited a little bit of money and I haven't. Well, really maybe you're overgeneralizing, Mickey. Maybe most Americans are not as, are not as, well, I don't want to use the word lazy. As you, but are not as lazy as you. A couple of points. Uh, If you talk to economists who really know about the earning, about the guaranteed income experiments of the 70s, the so-called Syme-Dime experiment, they did have a negative work effect. It wasn't a huge negative work effect, but they had a negative work effect. If you look at the unemployment benefits now, as with your friend, there is some evidence that it is holding people back from the labor market, which is one reason why the employers are having trouble filling their low-wage jobs. Not that one should weep for them, but it does have that effect. So if we made it permanent, uh, or if we just started doling out money willy-nilly, it would probably have a work effect. So I think there's pretty good, you know, and, and also when we reform welfare and imp- imposed a work requirement, all of a sudden the work participation of poor single moms went through the roof. It jumped 20 points, Okay. Now, they, they were working before, okay? They were all working on the side before, and some of them are now working on the books. So they just started but, reporting it. That's- well, no, but if you read Jake, uh, Jason DePaul's books, there's a sea change from being on the dole and working a few gigs off the books to basically being a worker in the labor market. And even though you in both cases you are working, it's just a different life. Uh, the people who are in the labor market – uh, well, the, the, the key, the key, the, the heroine of his, of his books, the protagonist of his book, she's not always a heroine, was sort of in the welfare culture, dealing with various boyfriends and gigs and, and various semi, semi, uh, shady deals, uh, and some non-shady deals. And, you know, she was working on the side a little bit. And, uh, then, then when the work requirements come in, she has to get a job in a nursing home. And it turns out she's good at it and likes it. And then she's sort of the poster child for, poster woman for the success of welfare reform. And she's a gig worker in both parts, but she's a different kind of gig worker when she's fully in the labor market. Okay. So, so- the, the second thing that happened uh, is the, 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 you know, one of the big reasons the right has bought into this is that is their natalists. They want to increase births. Uh, Ross Douth, Douthat wrote a whole column about that. And, and the, 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 the honest natalists have always said, you know, it, it's not really going to increase births. It doesn't, the, the, the evidence isn't there that this sort of incentive increases fertility. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and one of them just admitted it today, 
So I jumped all over that. Uh, and now some of them are backtracking. But uh, to the main the main good it's supposed to achieve, one of the two main goods, uh, it won't achieve. And the evil it will do in terms of decreasing work and creating whole neighborhoods of non-working families is there. So I say, why do it? Anyway, they, it's pretty clear that the left cares about this more than it cares about infrastructure because in, in, in the political developments of the past week, they made it clear that they would only accept a small infrastructure bill, this pathetic compromise bill, if they could get their big grab bag of everything else Biden wants, which includes these child credits. Is so that Biden's have, position? Is that Biden's position? It's not Biden's position. We don't, Biden, uh, we'll get to Biden's position. But it's the position of left wingers in Congress, including advisors around Pelosi. So they're not they're not inconsequential left wingers. They're like Representative Neal and people who are like on her on her inner 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 circle. They're they're willing to sacrifice the big infrastructure project as long as they get, you know, the the, the uh, welfare state goodies, including this childcare. That, that this guy Neal, that's his big thing is the childcare. So um, childcare credit. So. Uh, the left is sort of out of the closet in terms of that's what they really care about. They're like Matt Iglesias. Biden, I think, wants both of them. Does he really care about the child care credit? It's hard to believe that Bruce Reed, one of his four or five key advisors, cares about recreating welfare, which he worked to reform under the Clinton administration. But the the two the two Biden strategies are: um, Do you help pass the bigger bill? by letting them have the infrastructure first, which is characterized as letting them eat dessert first, and then you try to serve them this meal of vegetables later of, of all these welfare, uh, you know, welfare state expansions that are very expensive that they might not want to go for, and will they turn around and bail from that so you won't get that, or does it generate so much goodwill with cinema and mansion if they achieve a bipartisan small infrastructure bill that they'll say, we've done our bipartisanship. Now I can vote, be a partisan and vote for this, uh, this big uh, slate on a straight party line vote. Uh, that's the $64 question. And Bruce Reed is supposedly, according to Iglesias, a proponent of the, give them the small bipartisan thing. And this will, uh, the goodwill will carry over into passing the big thing. Uh, I, I would tend to think, no, you have to force them to swallow the whole package with dessert and vegetables in one meal. But Bruce is a very smart guy, so I defer to him. I hope, okay. I hope he doesn't succeed. I hope. And do you have a prediction? Is this going to happen or not? I think if I had to bet, I would, you know, I, I, I don't want to, like, jinx myself by saying it's not going to happen. I'm very scared it'll happen. The whole Democratic Party is are you are you one of these people who always predicts the opposite of what correct. they want for superstitiously? Yeah, I yeah. do the same thing. Correct. I don't always do the same anyway, thing. But. but it's very hard. It's ve- you know it's very hard to get fifty Democratic senators unanim- unanimously to agree to something that only the left wing of the party really wants. It's like they're trying to leverage it. It's like the tail wagging the dog, and even if they vote for it. There's going to be a whole uh, negotiation beforehand where they try to throw stuff overboard, throw stuff out of the bill. But so there might well be a might well be a move to cut the child tax credit in half or to restrict it to earners the way it is Wouldn't a now. lot of so mansion voters even if benefit? Even they vote for it, it might not be the same bill. Sorry, go wouldn't ahead. Wouldn't a lot of mansion voters benefit from the child tax credit? 
Um, the answer is yes, Mickey. I'm not. Is, isn't the, are there any parents left in West Virginia? <laughs> I don't know. You have I, to have kids. I believe. To um, oh, I believe the, so. Uh, I've been, no, I think that I think a lot of Manchin voters would benefit, but it's you know, there's a reason why we didn't have a guaranteed income. Okay, Nixon proposed one. Okay, in 1968, it was on the table. They voted for it. It was supposed to pass in Congress. Okay, okay. none of these debates are due. Nixon proposed. Okay. Basically a guaranteed income. And Ronald Reagan stood up and said, it's a mega doll. And all of a sudden the tide turned and it lost. Okay. That was because voters didn't want it. Even voters who would have benefited didn't want it because they have principles. And the principle was they didn't like welfare. Uh, now maybe that's a road. Sure I agree. Maybe everybody a, can be bought off with checks. I'm not sure I'd call that a principle in the case of many voters, but a, a different. A different question about Joe Manchin. That's so snide. Why are you being snide? Uh, he's now open to the um, to the a stripped down version of the voting rights bill. Uh, people are celebrating, but am I correct in thinking that this is just all, uh, you know, for appearances' sake? I mean, he's not saying. I assume that he's also willing to do filibuster reform to get his stripped down bill my, passed. My, right. My working theory is this: this debate isn't about voting rights. It's, the Democrats don't care about voting rights. It's all about using voting rights to get rid of the filibuster. So the worst, one of the, one of the bad outcomes for the Democrats in that c- case would be the stripped down mansion bill passes. Okay. Gets 10 Republicans and passes. Uh, so they can't have that. So they try to Stacey Abrams out right away to endorse it, which guaranteed that oh, no, Republican could, no Republican could endorse it after that. Uh, so, they're not, it's not going to pass, but, um, You really think that's her motivation? She wanted to sabotage it? Not only that, they trotted her out. Like Biden called her or somebody called her and had her sabotage it by endorsing it. You really think that? It's not impossible. People do that all the time, but it's, it, 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 she's one of the smartest people I've ever heard interviewed. She's so much smarter in a one on one interview than she is when you hear her on TV. Uh, that she's perfectly capable of figuring all this out. And she was, com- she, she was completely contradicted herself. She said she endorsed the bill and the bill is for voter ID. She doesn't want voter ID. The bill, the mansion bill, uh, doesn't have universal mail ballots. Okay. Her whole thing is universal mail ballots. Okay. Balance. But it makes, and so vote- she says she's completely dissembling when she says she supports it. Why but, is she dissembling? But look, Mickey, look, the other bill, her dream bill, it's not going to pass. There's no way. Now, if she thinks that there's a way this might actually pass, then it makes sense. It's on balance, better for her side than passing nothing. It's, it makes voting, it makes vo- voting day, election day a holiday. It, it mandates not, it, accepting ballots for two or three weeks in advance and so it's on. It's a possibility too, but it enshrines national voter ID, which is really bad from her perspective. So wait, what is your so scenario? I, I, What's the conspiracy it, theory again? Why do they? All, what they want to do is to get Manchin so pissed off that his bill doesn't pass that he agrees to get rid of the filibuster or at least to lower it to 55, which uh, which he is actually – there was a, a leaked phone call where he talked about that. Or Ezra Klein has another fallback position where well, okay, we wait. don't – we don't. let me get this out. We don't lower it to 55, but we make the 40 people who oppose it sort of stand up and talk about it. Go ahead. I don't – so you're saying that she came out, Stacey Abrams came out in favor of this so that you wouldn't get enough Republican support so that filibuster right. reform wouldn't be needed. And so she, they are hoping that Manchin will go no, along with filibuster, filibuster reform. 
the filibuster reform would never come up because the bill would pass with with, with Republicans, right? And yeah. Democrats want the filibuster reform, so they, they don't want work. the bill to be blocked. They want the bill so to be blocked. Manchin by gets mad and gets rid of the filibuster, so there can be filibuster reform. Yes, and a I, I don't think, think I don't think Manchin's going to do filibuster reform, but b I don't think they could have gotten ten Republicans for this. Also, my well, no way. I think they could have, but my theory they might have. But uh, McConnell came out against it very quickly, and under my theory, this is a possible severe miscalculation because uh, he must be awfully certain that uh, that Mansion uh, won't nuke the filibuster, or else he's sort of provoking Mansion into nuking the filibuster. And from his point of view, what would you rather have? This bill pass? Or with 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 or retain the filibuster, he'd much rather retain the filibuster. So it might be that his calculation at some point will shift and say, "No, we actually just want to pass this thing uh, and and keep the filibuster." So I, I I think he's he's poking Mansion with a stick, and I think that's uh, dangerous. By the way, if there were filibuster reform, I assume DC statehood. Would still not happen because Manchin wouldn't vote for that anyway. Uh, possibly. What, what I mean, he, what what makes you think Manchin in particular wouldn't vote for that? I'm just asking. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the answer is I don't know. And in all these issues, we don't know if Manchin and Cinema speak for four or five other people. Mm-hmm. You know, if there if there are people who will, if there are four or five other people who will bail. If if the infrastructure bill isn't in, the dessert isn't included in the big bill, that seems pretty significant. And, and, and you know, if if there are enough people who Manchin and Cinema are secretly speaking for, that just means the left doesn't have the votes. Uh, and and you know, Bruce Reed and the, all the people who are actually making the decisions presumably have better information than you and I because they have they have polled the senators informally and they sort of know which votes they have and which votes they don't. Uh, so it, it makes hard, it makes analyzing their decisions difficult, but uh, you know, for all I know there, I mean, you know, for all I know, you know, they have allegedly have all 49 people signed on to this voting bill, but that's because they think it's not going to pass. Okay. Once it becomes clear, it's going to pass. Some of them may start, ba- start bailing. It's a free vote. Now they can vote for it and say, I voted for voting reform, but if the Republicans blocked it, well, if the, if the, if it looks like you know the filibuster is over and it's not going to be blocked, then they, then they actually, if it's going to be enacted, then they're responsible for it and they may have second thoughts. Standard okay. Washington procedure. Okay, a couple of uh, I have a couple of questions about other things that will draw on your uh, your conversancy in uh, Trump land. Um, first of all, should I worry about the Arizona election audit? Is that is that? Oh, gonna... you should worry about the Virginia about the Georgia election audits. But I should seriously worry. Well, yeah, they've Why? they convinced the judge, they convinced the Democratic judge to open up these ballots that looked identical to see if they were xeroxed, and uh, you know, depending on what you think about how up and up they are in Fulton County, maybe you should be worried. And and, and keep in mind that it will only take a scintilla of evidence. To keep the Trump stop the steel machine going for another year. Now, maybe, oh, it won't even take that. That machine is but, that's perpetual well, it motion. Would, it can run for for a long time on its until of evidence. So I would worry about that. That they may that may not reach a definitive. When conclusion. will we know if they found? Uh, I don't know. Good question. 
I don't know. The other the other thing is so this Tucker Carlson floating this idea that the FBI was involved in instigating the January sixth riot. Now, I, I'm intrigued because I saw people on Twitter like Jeet here who normally who would I would love to just laugh him off the stage and do so when it's appropriate. We're not quite doing that. They, they, it seemed to be like the idea seemed to be like. Well, there are some FBI agents somewhere involved in the uh, in something or other. Have you heard anything about this? Um, no, but it, it it looked like Tucker had some evidence that some people actually were FBI agents. The, and the FBI does have a history of being provocative and trying to get people in trouble. Uh, that's uh, you know. Well, I think past, he was that, claiming that, that they were that, among the unindicted co-conspirators. But it, it seems to me like one plausible thing, and I don't mean that Jeet was by any means endorsing Tucker's thing. He was saying it, it actually doesn't amount to anything, but, uh, you know, if you understand the likely, uh, FBI role, but we should look into it, blah, blah, blah. But I assume that like with the groups like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, um, there were probably FBI agents long before January 6th trying to surveil or infiltrate or something. So there would be people who knew things and maybe even uh, feigned, you know, involvement. You know, they feigned support and fraternity with these guys. And who knows what the implication of that is. Right. So I'm thinking maybe that's all this is. And it's not like they said, hey, how about on January 6th? We, you know, but I don't know. Well, there's, there's, there's. There's a, a lot of case law. This issue comes up all the time on how provocative does the FBI have to right. be for you to get off the hook because it was their idea. And I think if they say, hey, let's riot on January 6th, you get off the hook. But if if it's clear that your intent is to riot on January 6th and they just go along for the ride uh, and maybe give you directions to the Capitol, yeah. then you're still guilty. They, I, 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 I think that's the law is, is, is you know, would you know, is your intent to do it there independent of the FBI? And um, uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, Tucker thing might not be completely bullshit. It, it seemed crazy to me at the start, but then when you think about it, it's a little less crazy. When I was a lefty and there was like an SDS meeting, there there were some guys that just sort of came and left early. And then there were guys that came in whistling the international. <laughs> And never left. And those were the FBI agents. Okay. The, uh, if they whistle the international, you got to watch out for them. By the way, there's a good documentary. I think it's on Hulu or something. It's, it's behind some paywall called Better This World, I think is what it's called. And it's about this thing. It, it was a couple of guys who wound up in prison for planning, um, to to do a Molotov cocktail at some Republican convention. But when you look at the way they were drawn along this path, like they're just these like teenagers and there's going to be some radical speak at a bookstore. And so they go there and then they ask him questions afterwards and he like sweeps them up into this thing. And it turns out, you know, he's he's working for the feds yeah. and he, you know, uh, to 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 uh, to basically work off some prison time he would otherwise face. It's just it's just outrageous, yeah. and uh, I recommend I, think, I recommend the documentary. I think the worst one of the worst uh, incidences of that is the the uh, 
rivalry between the Black Panthers and this group Us, which was founded by Ron Karenga. I don't want to libel anybody, but I think uh, the FBI was involved in stoking tensions there. And you know what Ron Karenga, uh, what his baby is? No. Kwanzaa. He he created so, Kwanzaa. He created Kwanzaa, and soon, you know, for separate, you know, how, we're se- we're celebrating Juneteenth today. How how far away is Kwanzaa going to be as a national holiday? I think it's getting closer and closer. Uh, despite the fact that every year Ann Coulter writes a column denouncing Kwanzaa on these grounds, <laughs> the looming threat of Kwanzaa what, on what grounds? No, on the grounds that they were the product of this horrible group, us. And, and and there's always a paragraph in there which is hilarious about the innocent Black Panthers who never <laughs> who like were, were just an advocacy group, a peaceful advocacy group. And so just the, this paragraph of Coulter praising the Black Panthers is always a hoot. Uh, she means it, and you know anybody who looks at Fred Hampton, you know, is convinced as she has yeah, that he, he was, was murdered, murdered by the police. So uh, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, there was also, by the way, the FBI was involved in, I think, uh, gener- generating material and attributing it to the Black Panthers by way of discrediting them. I, I, don't, I don't know that this is an example, but I remember when I was like 12 or 13 and living in San Francisco and, and there was a story in the newspaper about how the Black Panthers were handing out coloring books to children at their free breakfast program. And one of the captions said, the only good pig is a dead pig. It was like, it was like a picture of a cop caption said, the only good pig is a dead pig or something. Um, so it sounds alarming like CRT, something they do like CRT critical, critical race. I wanted to talk a bit about CRT. Okay. Unless, By the way, you know, these back when back when this happened, that stood for cathode ray tube. I just to, right. It doesn't go anymore. Ahead. No. Well, there's this there. You know, there's this campaign that CRT has infiltrated the education system and the high schools, and supposedly nobody knows quite. Well, there are there are enough examples to make one worried, and uh, and the military and corporations and. You know, they, 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 well, they what, what, to, what is, wait, what, what is a telltale sign of it having infiltrated something? What, what would they be teaching in the schools that would qualify as CRT? Oh, they would, they would teach, uh, you white kids, you have your privilege and you'll never, and, and you'll, you know, you're, 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 you just by virtue of your skin color, you're different than these other kids and you have privilege and you should feel guilty about it. Um, I doubt they ever say quite that. In the in the uh, in a public close. school curriculum, they, um, but I've um, uh, and there have been laws passed, including one that just passed in Texas, trying to uh, that also had some aspects that I think you would agree are unfortunate. Although I forget the details. Yes, and and, and the problem is, it's very it's is virtually impossible to write a law to ban something like this without impinging on free speech, and. Um, yeah, this, oh, it's something like history will be taught as the triumph of goodness or American history. It's some kind of, it's some kind of brief description of how American history will be taught. And it's, uh, some would say an oversimplification of American history. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, anyway, I, 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 I read this, this law and I'm trying to call it up and I'm failing to call it up, but, um, 
Oh well. Um the it 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 has, you know, some provisions that were, it wasn't quite as bad as I feared, but it has some provisions that uh that will cause trouble like it's like you should never be taught uh uh you should never be taught that it's right to give somebody you discriminate on the basis of race. Well, so you have to be taught that affirmative action is wrong. That that seems like not the mark of a free society. Uh, you have to. Um, well, you could always just say it's not discrimination based on race. Although I see you would you would you would want it to be allowable to say it's. Dim- yeah, you, you want would. to say you want you yeah. want people to say yes, we deserve preferences. Damn it, um, and. Uh, it, it uh, you you want uh, it's it, you also not allowed to to say that people are biased consciously or unconsciously, uh, you know, just because of their race. Well, Bob, uh, having read the Moral Animal, I would say that, or sex, I would say that there are some Darwinians who would argue that men and women have different unconscious biases of, on account of their sex. I don't what you mean in the realm that. of in the realm of sexual psychology or? It's just the law. The law, it's a pretty open-ended provision. So wait, law. what does the law say in this regard? Maybe I missed this. What if I could call it up? I would. Uh... Here it is. Okay. Uh... Huh. Uh, no teacher shall require or make part of a course the following concepts. Number two is an individual by virtue of his or her race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. So having read your book, I would say that one reading is that men, by virtue of their sex, are, in fact, in some situations, unconsciously oppressive. That would be banned under this provision. Well, I'm not sure uh, I'd, I'd agree that my book says that, but anyway. Uh, it shouldn't be. You agree it shouldn't be banned whether your book says it or not? No. Or do you? So what... Um, and... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, I mean, what they're mainly after, well, what they're mainly after is saying that by virtue of being white, you are racist. And then secondarily, they're after saying by virtue of being male, you're sexist. Um, yes. and, and, um, well, that, that's an interesting piece is, is to argue, uh, that by their own lights, I wouldn't necessarily argue this, but it would be interesting. Uh, to argue that by their own lights, you can't argue that men and women are significantly different, uh, in, in ways that evolutionary psychology might assert. Because of course, in other realms, these, these, these same people want to insist that men and women are very different, right? So this is, this is the law banning these people. I understand is, that. Yeah, the people, yeah, yeah. the people who support this law in some realms, I assume, would like to say, you know, men and women are very different. Right. But if Mickey comes along and says, you realize that the law you want would ban people from arguing that men and women are different in somewhat the way you actually think they're different, that might get their attention. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I think that would. And uh, that's one reason you shouldn't write the one view into the law. It, it, this is now the law of Texas. Oh, did uh, it pass? Yes, it was signed by the governor. Or it, it was on his desk and he was going to sign it. Uh, and uh, it's also Ill- illegal to say an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment 
solely or partly because of his or her race or sex. So I would say that if you have a race preference system, it adversely treats those people who don't get the race preference. Uh, and uh, it, it makes it illegal that any individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race or sex, or that meritocracy or traits such as hard work, a hard work ethic are racist or sexist or created by members of a particular race to oppress members of another race. I don't, it, it seems to me you should be able to say meritocracy is oppressive. I'm sorry. Well, it even <laughs> seems to me that people should be able to accuse you of being racist for uh, yeah. opposing the child yeah. tax credit, which is basically yeah. what this would ban, right? Um, this would ban. I would not. I would not be able to even insinuate. Why the child tax credit is in meritocracy? No, but didn't wasn't there something about work requirements or so? What, what did it say? Meritocracy or traits such as a hard work ethic are racist. Or oh, sexist. a hard work ethic. I thought. Yeah. Okay, never mind. No, you could make you could stretch it, but the, the other point to be made is these 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 things are questionable, and they don't get at what what people like Andrew Sullivan and John McWhorter are 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 horrified by, which is uh, the general sense of not being tolerant and entertaining opposing viewpoints. And you know, Jonathan Rush has written a book saying you have to, you know, you have to admit your fallibility and admit you're accountable and go by the evidence and all these, all these are sort of the big liberal uh, virtues, and none of them. You can't, you know, this this legislation wouldn't prevent any of those things from being thwarted, and there's no real way to enforce them except to fire the people who are doing it wrong. And so, a, a law like this just isn't going to solve the problem. That's the problem. We agree on that. Uh, so you know, uh, I think we've been at this an hour, Mickey. We should be moving toward – what else did I want to um, – oh, I, I wanted to note. I, I, I guess we won't have time to get – I'm curious. Did you uh, see that in my newsletter I replied to your uh, anal probe challenge? Oh, my God, no. You didn't. Aren't you a paid – are you a paid subscriber? Because if not – I am. Our whole, this whole thing is – History. I am a pay subscriber. Our entire relationship. Okay, well, you you should if you're going to pay for something, you should read it. And and I I, I quote <laughs> you by I linked to your newsletter. Now, had this been in the non-paywalled version, you might have been overwhelmed by the flood of traffic. As it as it is, you may have gotten I more, I more of a trickle than a flood. I didn't see it. I, I did check your newsletter. Oh, the 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 whole piece Monday was about it was about Mickey and his anal probes and his view that. Uh, aliens would subject can, us to anal probes. Can you summarize it for us? Yeah, I mean, you, you notice I have I have the balloon in the background because I knew we were going to talk. Well, plus, about you this. have that new green thing that would have scared me even more than the carrot peeler you used as an anal probe plot. Uh, 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 prop. Oh God, <laughs> no! Not <laughs> you took the green thing off. It's even scarier. So they conceal. Um, never mind the so. The argument, well, just quickly, maybe this is someday parrot room material or something, or maybe we'll talk about it next week. But it was just quickly like you had said, why couldn't the a I had said, I think if an alien civilization had gotten past our technological era, that is, you had the capacity to blow up the planet or the capacity to bind it into a global community that solves 
uh, all the, the, the threatening problems that the technology creates, you know, nuclear war, blah, 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 climate change, whatever the problems are in your planet. Um, I would think that any, any planetary civilization that gets past that phase successfully has to be morally enlightened enough to, um, You've passed to, the to, to not bill. eat us or subject us to anal probes unless absolutely necessary for scientific right. purposes. And I would, I would direct them to Beverly Hills if it's absolutely necessary personally. But the, um, I, I launched a counter argument to the effect that at least if, if we for now, I mean, this isn't yet a general theory about all alien life forms, but if you look at what's happening now on planet Earth, you know, your, your reply that, well, no, they can remain tribal and just, uh, consider themselves the good tribe and everybody else the bad tribe. Right. I point, I, I won't even elaborate on this further, but, but I point to, um, the current, our current state as evidence that that's not enough. If you don't overcome the tribal, the, the, the tribal psychology itself, it will continue to drag your civilization down. I mean, currently, uh, you know, you basically said, why can't they just look around and say, oh, we have all these non-zero-sum problems. We have climate change. We have uh, the threat of nuclear war, bioweapons. Let's all get together and solve our problems and then go rape and pillage on other planets. And I'm saying if they don't overcome, you know, our current state is evidence that if you don't, kill the psychology of tribalism itself, it keeps dragging you down. Because we now have these problems. Rational people would look around and actually start doing things about many problems that can only be solved through the, you know, institutionalized cooperation among nations. We're not doing it because there are internal national divisions and international divisions that are products of the psychology of tribalism. To the casual observer, it looks like we're making great leaps into space precisely because of our tribal rivalries. The Chinese have started their space station because they're rivals with us. We're about to gear up a whole other new space program because we're rivals with the Chinese. And we're going to make tremendous progress because of the very problems you claim are driving us But that's not the question. The question is, do we solve the problem of an arms race in in space getting to a dangerous point and becoming destabilizing? Oh, we that's have a, that's we, the we have, problem. We have time you need to, to solve. do that, but maybe you need both. You can you keep to... saying we have time all day, but we're not solving the problems. I mean, look, the Wuhan thing is a perfect example. From the beginning, what this epidemic illustrated is that regardless of what you think about how this this virus originated, it should at least you know fix your mind on like what happens if people do start intentionally engineering viruses. That can wipe out tons of people or wipe out one right. ethnic group or whatever. Are we paying attention to that in a serious way? No. It's, it's obvious that that's a much bigger problem than various things we're squabbling about. How would you stop it except by monitoring every biologist in the, in the world? I've written about this, but, uh, yeah, okay. we've, we've been going more, more than that. it's, a, it's an extremely challenging problem. I will admit it's not obvious what, how you solve it. That's what, why we need to get serious. What? One thing, one new development on that front is that they've discovered there were cases of COVID in the United States earlier than we thought, and basically Christmas 2019. And I don't see the Chinese. Wait, 2019, tra- really? Yeah. 
Like, oh, Christmas, you know, Christmas 2019. Okay. I thought they January. went back to November. I thought, the, I thought they went back to November. I know the latest one was, was they, they tested some blood samples they had lying around and, and the earliest I thought was, it was uh, Christmas Eve, but maybe I may be wrong. Anyway, the, I don't think this means that it didn't originate in China, but you tell me the Chinese are implying that instead of looking at China, they should look into the United States for the source of the virus. Right. And I don't, and it's, it's hard to see how it got from China to these obscure out of the way places uh, where it turned up in these blood samples, but we don't quite know what the blood samples are. And they're still investigating and interviewing the people. Did they take a trip to China? Uh, but I don't. Was it your impression that this, this throws the whole "it started in China" theory in the trash can? I'm not sufficiently conversant in in this. I haven't immersed myself. It seems like I, immersing myself in UFOs is more fun, I guess. And it seems like you would have you have to choose because both of them are bottomless pits. I bet um, you, there there was that article in the New Republic, and I told you that guy Elizondo gave me the creeps, and. You said, well, he just looks weird. And there's, there's an article in the New Republic saying he's part of this UFO cult that has managed, you know, basically networking around, networking around, uh, some people who have Harry Reid's ear. And, uh, and, and, and so he is, he is a, he, he is a cultist, slight cultist. Maybe. So he's the guy who for a time funded the UFOs, uh, or the, the government's, Modestly funded, uh, you know, st- program for studying UFOs and, yes. and, and, uh, you, you got him, like, um, you got that under control? I still I think know, you should answer stopped. these. The, the, um, I don't know how to answer them. I touch something wrong and something happens. So, uh, but, yeah, no, well, New Republic, they he, also said he's that, the guy in 60 minutes. They had a, he was a big star in the 60 minutes. Yeah. So. I didn't read the piece carefully, but I know they also said that the impetus for this whole renewed government interest, which came from Harry Reid, was itself tainted because one, a guy who I guess was on Harry Reid's staff or somehow convinced him to do this or something was himself, uh, uh, you know, into the paranormal as well as UFOs or something. Well, Harry Reid is a true believer. I mean, there's no question that he's well, no, but that's one thing. This. But but th- he was talking about it going beyond belief in UFOs and extraterrestrials, even, but into the realm of believing in paranormal. That was oh, how yeah. he was they, saying they, this was tainted. Yeah, this guy also did experiments in the paranormal. But the, the, you know, at a time when the Defense Department wanted to see if they could use paranormal powers to screw up, screw with the Russians, and the Russians were used trying to see if they could use it to screw with us. So, Well, I say uh, wait um, until the government report comes out, which sadly will include a classified section. And we're not going to – I think that's a big it, mistake on their part. You, you know it's not going to resolve the issue. It's No, especially if there's a classified section and people can keep alleging that there are yeah. – that's where yeah. all um, the truth comes out. But um, so we should uh, – I was going to get into. Did you quickly? Did you read Tom Edsel's piece on Norm Entrepreneurs? Norm Entrepreneurs? Yeah. No. I'll just read you a section and see if it makes. Where did you... this appear in the New York Times? Yeah, you know, it was one of these things he does, which are very valuable. Uh, Wait, well, he emails a hundred boring yeah, emails, and gets twenty five yeah, boring responses. Well, they're not, but, they're, but sometimes they're interesting. You know, the yeah. point is that Trumpism is a global thing 
And one reason is for because of these so-called some some a, a category of people that some people are calling norm entrepreneurs. Some scholar, Trump, Steve Bannon, well Jeremy Corbyn, interesting, Marine Le Pen, Nigel Farage, and what they do is you know various people are have a sense of loss. The world is changing fast. They may have lost their jobs. They may have lost them for various reasons. It may be automation. There are various reasons that people are feeling loss in various senses. And what he says norm entrepreneurs do is politicize loss by representing other groups as benefiting from it. For example, immigrants uh, benefiting from it. So, well, for so, example, or Wall Street, which I assume. You know, yeah, that's another. People. That's another. I, I, I didn't like that piece because it sort of implied that it's crazy to think you have a loss. Crazy to think you could come up with any policy that would to stop the loss. So you you lose your jobs because of trade with China, and you 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 know you sign up with one of these demagogues who wants to stop your loss by controlling trade with China. Well, why isn't that a completely rational, acceptable reaction? It's sort of assumed that the only possible response for these poor losers who are losing their jobs is irrational racism and xenophobia. Well, uh, I and, just, and, and, and that's the, it was just the bias of the bias of all the academics too, was these people are losers. There's nothing they could do about it. It's the inevitable arc of history. Well, bullshit. I, I just took it to mean at a minimum that these people are painting a simplistic picture. They're, they're so determined to blame various groups of humans that, they're painting a simplistic picture. For example, I mean, Steve Bannon, it's all about immigrants and China. And I don't think he very often mentions automation, which is a big part of the story, right? And and you would think that the best policies are going to be founded on a proportional well, understanding of what the, the causes well, of the problem the, are. The, I'm not going to defend Bannon. The worst example is the left rising income inequality, and they blame and Bernie Sanders blames it on fat cats on Wall Street. When there are obviously three, at least three important drivers. One is trade, one is uh, immigration, and the third is automation. And it's not clear that Bernie Sanders has any solution to, uh, you know, to any of them. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the the left is just as guilty of that. Yet somehow, somehow these uh, these academics that Edsel surveyed didn't accuse Bernie Sanders of being a norm entrepreneur. Don't don't get me started on billionaires, Mickey. Um, Are you against them or for them? I, I'm for taxing them more heavily. Yeah. I'm for, for, for example, yeah. um, well, whatever. I'm for taxing there more was, heavily. There was a very good article that I've, about the carried interest loophole that I was wanted to talk about. Uh, that I think was linked in the New York Times. But it turns out to be very complicated. And I don't quite understand it. But Has that ever stopped it, us in the past, Mickey? No. The carried is basically the Wall Street firms that uh, they make their – Living by investing, and they get the returns in capital gains. Uh, as a, the, the rule is, they get two percent management fee and twenty percent of the gains, and and the gains are taxed as capital gains. And the but the 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 telltale sign that it's a fraud is if the if the um, if there's a loss, they don't have to take the loss, so they're not really at risk. Risking yeah. their capital the way some an ordinary investor would be, so fuck them. They should close the cap the carried interest loophole. But if you read this article, which I will send to be posted in the link section, uh, it's much, much, much more complicated than that. But it's a very good article. 
Okay. Well, <laughs> we should move into the parrot room. People may ask, what is the parrot room, Mickey? You think people may ask there, that? There are parrots there. Or there's there are a parrots parrot there. there. People can, there. for example, a parrot that looks like the one you're holding and sounds like the one you're holding. And um, Yes, I do. Good example right there. Um, people can get there via patreon.com slash parrot room uh, and thereby not only have access to like mind blowing bonus content, um, but also support quality journalism, which is what we do. Now, this week, we actually have a, what would you call this person? A mystery guest? A mystery guest who's not a parrot. This is a, a human being. Distinguished writer. We have never had a guest before in the parrot room. And this, we will see. This is a wild experiment. It's happening in real time. We're working without a net. Uh, <laughs> anything could happen. You throw a third could person in the, the rails, parrot room, could go off the rails. Could uh, spiral into decay or ecstasy. Depends. Or ecstasy. Or hmm. ecstasy, yes. Um it could be a it could be a degenerate scene, not unlike Hunter Biden's autobiography, which we will discuss in the parable. Oh, are, are you going to talk more Hunter Biden? I think I want I, I think I want to talk about the book. Yeah. But now, are there other things we uh, we should uh, talk about in the parrot room? I mean, normally because we're going to have a guest who will occupy about half of the parrot room, I did not prepare our list of things that we will. Talk about, um, I, I got a, I got a couple of things. Should have saved the, the, the carried interest thing. That would get him in. That would get him in in droves, Mickey, if yeah, we told him. Yeah, that, we, we, that we, we shouldn't, have, shouldn't have shot um, that one. Well, there's, uh, there's always more Tubin. There's, there's Tubin. There's, uh, the possible, don't comment on this. There's the possible rivalry between, Jill Biden and Kamala Harris. They're finally making a biography, biography film of my hero, the record producer Tom Wilson, uh, who I've blabbed about before. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And some of the intellectuals who we talked about um, earlier in the in the in the critical race theory segment, like John McWhorter and Glenn Lowry of Blogging Heads. Have not been verified, Bob. Can you believe that? Well, have they tried? McWhorter has tried, yeah. He failed? He's written, he's written about it. Wait, he tried in this last round? I think so, yeah. Because I, 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 well, let's start, well, we'll talk about Twitter, Twitter, uh, verification. Because in a just world, you and I would have been verified without even trying. I haven't tried, but I worry that now it's too late. It's, I, I passed my time. There was a time when I would have been, Cool enough, and it, but anyway, we'll talk about Twitter verification because I do have a thing or two to say about that. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, we can actually talk about uh, McWhorter and Lowry. There's um, there's news. Maybe this. Maybe yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say this. There's news about the, the Glenn Lowry show that I'm not sure is public yet, but I yeah. think it's parrot roomable. Um, the uh, um, also he went on Tucker. Did you see? I haven't seen that, but he went. Glenn yeah. went on Tucker. Uh, so Tom Wilson, Jim, uh, Joe Kamala, I, if we have time, I'll get into the, uh, split between Blinken 
and Tony Blinken and Biden that was revealed in the reporting surrounding the summit. Um, but you know, mainly what's that? Definitely get into that. Okay. It's a, it's on a particular issue, but it could be indicative of, uh, things. And, and, but the big thing is working without a net with a mystery guest. That's just going to be, who knows, who knows whether Um, any of us will be around after this happens. Maybe you'll tune in at the end of the show and it'll just, the mystery guest will be the only person left standing. Could be. It's a pretty, it's a pretty wily mystery guest. It wouldn't smoking, smoking heaps of embers. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Uh, see you in the parrot room. Couldn't have said it better.